AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's August 24th, 2018. You're listening to the finest PokerCast money can buy. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long, and you forgot to mention that it's 7 a.m. on August 24th, actually. not <laughs> For you. <laughs> you know that saying it's five o'clock somewhere well it's seven o'clock a.m somewhere at all times so yeah that's right i'm certainly feeling it <laughs> you sound it too you do you sound tired no nah, no i'm good i get a good night's sleep finally so um I, I will power through here this morning at this gravely unfair hour well i'm powering through too i'm exiled to the back far reaches of casa casenza because i have a contractor here like redoing our master bath and it's like I'm I'm I can't have the noise for the show. I can't make the Annie Up Nation uh, endure that crap. So I'm in the back, and uh, you might hear some noise. You might not. So we'll see what's going on. But uh, I'm so glad uh, we're going to talk to you today because you got some good news. Yeah, we're out here at the uh, Annie Up Poker Tour at the Atlantis Casino Resort Spot in Reno, Nevada. And the uh, $1,100 main event is kicking off Friday. Um, so all the info you need is at antiupmagazine.com slash Atlantis. And uh, it's been a fun week out here. My wife came out for the first weekend, and we had a lot of fun. Went down to Lake Tahoe and showed her around some other places that I like out here. And uh, and then, uh, then she left, and I got to play some poker. So. Nice. Uh, but no, it's been a great series so far. Uh, really good turnouts. All the guarantees have been met, most by a wide margin. Um, you know, I think we talked about on the show before the the tournament area here. There's two of them. There, there's a two ballrooms are opened up where where most of the tables are, and then the first overflow is is in this breezeway uh, overlooking the Sierra Nevada mountains. And um, uh, both tournaments I've played so far, or two of the tournaments I played so far, uh, I've been. Uh, lucky enough to have a table out there and uh that's a really cool way to play poker it's a lot of fun actually. yeah um i mean because barely I, I can't even remember uh, uh, a tournament i've ever played where there were actually windows where you could actually yeah i know it. it let alone let alone have a beautiful view uh, outside there and and i got lucky on my uh seat draws too so i was on the uh, uh the side of the table where you could actually look out the window uh without having to crane your neck and that but so uh doing a good job here um people seem to be having fun a lot of people are out here and uh, everyone who makes the final table gets this nice Andy up poker tour hat, uh, which had made uh, Chris quite envious until I won him one <laughs> a little bit later. But uh, it's a nice little touch. Uh, so it's always nice to see people wear, wearing uh, uh, wearing our stuff around because um, as later it gets in the series, more people have them, right? Some more yeah. people wearing them yeah. back the next day. Um, and some people have two or three of them now, so they've been wearing both at the same time, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely seeing a lot of familiar faces out here. A lot of them from uh, Thunder Valley, which I thought would would make the the short little 
two-hour drive over the mountains to get here. Um, uh, a tournament I played a couple days ago, I played with one of our listeners, sat next to me the entire tournament until I got knocked out. <laughs> but uh, he said he, uh, he drove down from Eugene, Oregon, Chris, to play the event because he heard about us talking about it on the show. So that's yeah, pretty cool. sweet. Um, and then a uh, longtime listener, Mitchell Cogert, has two caches already. Haven't seen him yet this, this trip, but I uh, obviously posting the results, and uh, he's got two caches. So congrats to him. Now, um, did he, like, search you out, or did you know he was there, or? Uh, no, I just saw him on the results, so like I said, hopefully I'll, I'll find him at some point. Maybe I'll find him today, because today is the Battle of the Ages tournament, um, which I think is going to be kind of fun for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the way it works is they split the field into two, so if you are 50 and older, you are in one group, and if you are younger than that, you're in the other group, so... Uh, best part of this tournament, which I've been telling people all week, is I'm going to be a young gun today. Wow! And uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, um, I don't. I'm sorry to go back to Mitchell, but I, I remember he was the guy with the Rise book, right? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, he won that yeah. uh, play rest poker to win or something. That I remember that man. He's been around a long time with us. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really cool. Uh, so you're you're playing. You're the young gun today because what? You're 40. How old are you? 40. Well, 46, So, uh, which is funny because no one believes me. I walked in uh, on the senior tournament day, which did really well. I think that was one of the bigger uh, – well, it's certainly the biggest one-flight field we've had here. Um, it was 222 players, I think. Okay. Um, uh, as someone said, we have a lot of old people here in Reno. <laughs> um, but I walked in um, and uh, – one of the tournament directors said, hey, Scott, we can get you in. I'm like, get, get me in what? Uh, the seniors event. I'm like, um, I, I'm not old enough. But I'm like, and then not even deadpanning. He was like, really? <laughs> you should have said, all, all you had to say to him was, Chris Cassand is my business partner. That's why I look like this. They would understand right away. Oh, okay. You get a pass. Um, so I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm 46. He's like, oh, okay. And then I walk over and saw um, – Al, who runs the Western Senior Poker Series, and said hi to him, and he's like, why aren't you playing? I'm like, what is with you people? <laughs> I'm going to have to go to the spa and get one of those rejuvenation face masks or something today, because all y'all think I'm too, uh, really old. So anyhow, so today's Battle of uh, Ages, so I'll be in the, the young half, and seeing the turnout for the seniors event, uh, I think I'm going to be kind of happy uh, playing with the kids today. <laughs> A better chance of advancing, but yeah, it's an interesting tournament because... Uh, they split the field in two and play down to twelve percent of both fields, and then they combine it to finish it out. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of neat. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, but yeah, it's been an interesting week of playing here. First, we'll start with the good news. I uh, won event number ten, yay! <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, it was no limit hold'em. I'm what I'm surprised by is you agreed to a chop. Yeah, well, no, here's the thing. So, uh, yeah, it was. It, we ended up the uh, – I was the chip leader with four left. Um, I wasn't going to bring up the chop, but I was going to be amenable to one if somebody finally did. And I, I went a, kind of a heater there towards the end and knocked two people out and, and built my stack up. It wasn't dominating big, but it, it was definitely the largest. And um, uh, But the blinds were just so big at that point. I mean, really, for the last um, – hour of this tournament i was really surprised when people made any kind of raise that wasn't all in <laughs> you know there was a um a series uh, earlier there i think we we're down to maybe four or five tables um where i finally i made like a two x raise a two and a half x raise at some point and this guy across the table was like hey something happened to your clicker finger 
<laughs> what do you mean? He's like, you forgot to click all in there. Because I had been going all in like every hand there because I was at 20 big blinds. And yeah. I was watching these people like nurse these five big blind hands and making men raises. It's just it's insane. But anyhow, so the, the limits were pretty high at that point. Probably could have played it out. But uh, one, it was 1130 a.m. And uh, I'm a senior, even though I'm not old enough to be a senior. <laughs> or 1130 p.m., sorry. PM, yeah, I was going to say, what? Kind of late, and I hadn't eaten uh, all day, so I was kind of hungry. And um, you know, I probably could have like maybe pitched maybe an ICM shop and got a little bit more money out of it, but uh, didn't think that they were going to go for that. So I'm like, you know, whatever. We'll just we'll just end it here and give me this nice little trophy, my first trophy ever. I've never won a trophy. Oh wow! I mean, going back to like bowling when I got those participation trophies and stuff. Like, well, you know. I, but you've won other any up events though, so they didn't have yeah, trophies. I just never had trophies oh. for us. They actually did trophies, which is kind of nice. So nice. see, see, the trophy blinds you from your morals because you were like, "I'm never chopping," you yep. know. But again, also too, you know, when you're the owner of the tournament, you really don't want to be the ass that holds out uh, when right. there's only exactly. four people left. Well, there's so, that too. Yeah, so you did good. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know how the other two would have uh, would have decided though. The one guy, one guy brought it up. Um, I kind of quickly said, "All right, I'll go for that," and then the other two were like, oh, "Okay, so." It's possible that you know I might not have been the only holdout, but uh, but anyhow, it's fine. You know, I'm happy with the uh, the money I won. Happy winning uh, winning in quotes a t- a title here, <laughs> uh, particularly because I um, I crashed and burned in limit uh, 08, which obviously is my best event. Right, uh, a couple days earlier, uh, wife was still in town, and I told her, you know, hey, I'm gonna hang out with you all week while you're here. Um, but there's one tournament I have to play. I cannot skip the limit Omaha eight, and she's like, all right, that's fine. Problem is here at the Atlantis, which is a fantastic resort. We've loved every bit of it out here. Um, They do some really, really good happy hours. Their sports bar starts from 3 to 6, half-price drinks, half-price appetizers, and then at 4, from 4 to 6 upstairs, and a really nice restaurant called Bistro Bistro Napa, they also do uh, half-price drinks and half-price appetizers, and just phenomenal value uh, for both of them. So... Of course, we can't pass up that kind of value, right? So by the time I got to the 5 o'clock <laughs> Omaha event, eh, not playing my best. <laughs> uh, but uh, I ended up going out. Uh, I don't know where it was. It, it was not even a spectacular going out. Um, but I will say um, I did play well. I, I just had um, hands with lots of outs that I didn't get there. And um, so I can't completely blame uh, the half price uh, Coors Light and wine. But <laughs> I gotta <laughs> tell was- you, you know, you're not practicing what you preach at all today. <laughs> I mean, seriously. First of all, the chop that that was just a rarity. But then, how many poker one on one classes and things like that have we taught over the last ten years? Yes, that's right. We're celebrating ten years as a magazine this month, um, where we have told them, look. Don't drink. Be, have your wits about you when you're playing. You're just wasting your money. I mean, there are some drunks who get a couple of alcohol drinks in them and they, they play better. But, I mean, you're the type of drunk that you can't get drunk. So we need you to be sober when you're playing. This is absolutely embarrassing. I mean, what's real? I don't know what's real anymore. Truth isn't truth. <laughs> Sorry. Did I slip that in there? I didn't mean to do that. I just, see, I, I forgot we were recording the show. I just took it with me and you talking. And I'm like, oh, wait. Don't say that. It's political. <laughs> yeah stop drinking scott oh man but uh so yeah and then um two nights ago we played the eight game mix now um we talked about this on the show before this isn't your traditional poker stars eight game mix uh this is a game mix atlantis style 
And the tournament turned out to be every much headache-inducing as I expected it to be. <laughs> Uh, but I got a good story. I was knocked out by uh, WSOP bracelet winner Lauren Klein, who went on to win it. Um, and, of course, during Omaha 8, so, which is both his best game and my best game. So, so I think – I wonder if you should ask him where knocking you out ranks. You know, he, well, he's won, what, three bracelets in a row, three years in a row. Uh, where does that – I think that probably is right in between his first bracelet and his second bracelet, probably knocking out the publisher of Andy Up Magazine. Probably, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was during Omaha 8, you said? Yeah, yeah, we, um, of course. you know, the, again, the, the limits get so big towards the end there that, um, and, and this happens in, in a lot of Omaha 8 events. So the interesting thing about this one, though, is there's eight games and some were pot limits, some were limits. So um, the pot limit ones, you always expected that your stack could be at risk at any time, right? But mm-hmm. um, but when you get later in these limit tournaments, um, you, you think you have a lot of chips, and then you start playing a hand. And by the time you get to the river, you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I've got one bet left. And I've got a, a gut shot draw to a Broadway um, and no low possibility. But can I fold now when there's five million chips in the pot, right? Yeah, so yeah. Threw it in and then didn't hit. And he had flopped a set of aces. And uh, actually, I think he improved to a boat on the river. But um, So I was live actually going into the river, which would have been nice. But um, <clears throat> it was not to be. So, But um, – I tell you, it was a <clears throat> very, very difficult tournament, uh, mostly because there were a couple games I never played before, but I s- spent the last two, day- the two days prior to it in the hotel room dealing out hands and and realizing things. And then every time I'd go back down there to play something else, that I'd learn something else, like the Tahoe Pitch and Roll seven-card stud. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, that was <clears throat> pretty easy to deal out. I mean, you were pretty much looking at your weakest card to throw away, and then... Um, depending on, and then it's pretty easy to decide which card to roll up for you, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a hand you don't want to play, you're going to turn up your highest card so you don't have any chance of bring, uh, being the bring in so you can fold right away, right? Um, you know, if you got a pair, you usually want to bury them, which actually worked out well for me uh, during one of them. I got a big pot when I boated up, and the guy didn't I had no idea that I was boating up at that point because of that. Um, but um, so I was down in the room and over him say, oh, yeah, that's high low. I'm like, that's high low. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that changed some some strategy for that. Not a lot, but some. It was just good to know. But um, and then the uh, most of the pot limit game, the draw games were actually multi draw. So. Pot limit deuce to seven, which uh, I've always seen it played single draw. Um, if it's triple draw, uh, it's always limit, right? Yeah. They did three draws at pot limit. So if you could think about that just for a second, um, you know, people talk about people losing houses playing pot limit deuce to seven, right? Right. Um, and that's with one draw. <laughs> so three draws, uh, if you make it to the end, <clears throat> your your stack is probably in, and you better hit that draw. Um and the real problem is, is when you start with a decent hand is when do you, when do you break, right? You know, so if you start with like a nine, you're dealt a nine. That's a pretty good hand for single draw. Yeah, for single draw. But then you see people keep drawing, you know, two, two, and then one, and then one. And you're like, or, you know, two, and then one, and then pat. And I'm like, oh, now do you break or not? So, um that 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 was really difficult, and uh, so I tried to stay out of that. I made one mistake getting into a hand that that, that was drawing and, and and missed at the end that that took probably half my stack. 
after that, I try to stay out of it unless I had, you know, a really good hand to start with. But really, really difficult to um, – and there's no rhyme or reason to the games. Not there is a rhyme or reason to them. But, you know, you'd go from one pot limit game to a limit game and then back to something else. So um, it was a difficult, difficult tournament uh, to play. But uh, my stack went up and down, so I thought I had a chance at one point. Early on, I thought I was going to be out, and this was going to be the ultimate embarrassment, having to go back and buy in for another <laughs> – re-enter for another 160. <laughs> In this tournament, they had um, only 36 players. I ended up thinking I ended up paying four spots. So, but I was having so much fun playing the games that I didn't want to leave. So, uh, fortunately, I had a um, a big hand. Um, I forget what it was, but I completely uh, tripled up in, and then I got back to my starting stack after being like down on fumes. So, I mean, fortunes like, can change very quickly. Yeah, it's like a virtual rebuy there. <clears throat> yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> an organic reentry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but definitely interesting. So I, you know, I'd like to play him again at, at, at some point, but, um, man, you got to be at your wits there. And I did not drink before that at all. I had nothing all day. <laughs> I knew I was going to have to be able to figure this out. Uh, but, but fun. And, you know, it's good that, uh, they put it on the schedule. You know, I only drew 36, um, entrants, but, um, but, you know, it, it, I've been talking to a couple of other Annie poker tour properties are looking to do one um, or do some different stuff and one's talking about doing an eight game mix and you know our advice always is do you have a built-in audience already that wants to play those and if you do that's great if not you know you're not going to uh, no one's going to want to play yeah. that when they get no limit tomorrow right so, yeah expect expect 20 to 30 people if you don't have an audience that really wants it Right, exactly. But here every Monday night they they play all these games and they play all of them pot limit, even the Tahoe pitch and roll and everything. So, um, which I was going to jump in that game to actually kind of get experience playing them, but that was the night that uh, I <coughs> won the tournament. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance. But uh, so you know, all those players that play that game every Monday obviously play the Tuesday game, and then you got um, people like me and, and Lauren Klein who uh, like mixed games. Um, to, to jump in as well too and then a couple other people that just see you know, action junkies right <laughs> it really is a degenerate tournament you know if you think about it yeah yeah but pretty cool though so well it sounds like it's a good week absolutely so i got the battle of the ages today we've got a big blind annie on saturday which is make fun it's the first big blind annie tournament ever uh so looking forward to that and then uh we'll be crowning a winner on sunday so we'll have a lot more to talk about next week's show very nice all right, a rainstorm so severe that media outlets described it as a monsoon, which Chris hates, by the way, <laughs> uh, rolled through Phoenix last week, and the ensuing flooding shut down power and the backup generators at Talking Stick Resort early in the morning after they completed day 1A of the resort's multi-day main event of their very popular Arizona State Poker Championships. Uh, the resort had uh, had hoped to make repairs quickly enough to continue the tournament, but later realized the damage was too severe. Players who had registered for later flights will be issued refunds, and the players who advance from day one will be paid out based on ICM chip counts. Wow. I, when I heard that story, I was like, this this can't be true. This can't be true because, you know, we, we do a lot of coverage for Talking Stick. They advertise it for us. And uh, oh, when I hear about a monsoon going through basically the desert, that was, that was shocking. And that's the key. Yeah, really. I mean – if you've ever been in Vegas when there's a rainstorm, it, it's it's like a hurricane. It really yeah. is because they happen so rarely that people don't know how to deal with it. And <clears throat> more to the point here in Talking Stick, um, structurally they're not set up for it. So when you get that much rain in a place that never gets any rain, now rain has, now water has to go somewhere. Yeah. And 
get these crazy floodings. And um, I mean, I remember the first time I saw a big rainstorm in Vegas, I was like, that is insane. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, I'm glad I'm inside. This is crazy. Yeah. So I can't imagine how bad it is down there. So there's that. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, obviously feel terrible. Uh, you know, some people, there's a lot of discussion online about how they should have handled this, um, whether there's another option to handle this. Um, and some people asked me about it and I was like, you know, there's no winners here, right? Um, one, you feel bad for the resort. Um, I mean, this is their big event of the year. I mean, they do some smaller ones, but this is their big event. And, and you know how difficult it would be have to, to say, Hey, we just can't <laughs> get the property up and running in order to do it. So we had to cancel. So that's tough. Um, but certainly it, it's terrible for the players too. I mean, whether you, you played already, um, even if you made it on and now you're going to be paid out on, you know, ICM, which I, I think ended up being the fairest way of doing it. Um, you know, you were expecting to play for, I think it was like a 1.5 million prize pool. Right. And then, uh, for multi-flights. So yeah, yeah the, it's going to be much less than you thought. And then of course, you know, it's a big enough tournament that people fly in for and make plans. And, um, so if you were flying in for day two um, and got there the day before, <laughs> you know you already paid for your airline tickets and all that. Um, and the resort got shut down; the entire resort got shut down. So they had to find uh, new places for everybody to stay too. So super inconvenient as well, um, but a logistical nightmare too, I can imagine. So no winners at all here, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, no, it's sad. Um, and it's tough, you know. It, you know. How do you how do you handle uh, these payouts? I mean, when I heard what they did, I think that's probably the best way to go. But um, you know, you don't want to reschedule this for weeks in advance, right? Because some of these people might have came in. Uh, the people that advance on day one might be from out of town. Now you have to come back to continue, right? Right. That's tough to do. Um, but you've already played it, so you can't just refund everybody their money. That's not fair because you have people that got knocked out. <laughs> you have people that advance, so. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's tough. I, I, again, I think they ended up doing the best way, but I'm sure there are players out there that disagree with me. Yeah. I, I thought it was a fair, fair way to do it. All right. Any updates? Uh, so we have six more upcoming any up Pokator stops with five opportunities to play your way on the cover to any up magazine and more to be announced soon. Uh, of course, you know that, uh, this Friday you could be in the main event at the Atlantis, uh, but also the deep stack series at the Venetian Las Vegas is September 3rd to the 23rd. Pearl River Poker Open at Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, October 25th to November 4th. Bequiva Hotel and Casino near Phoenix, March 25th to the 31st. Antioch World Championship and Antioch NorCal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California in July. And, of course, the Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino also near Phoenix, November 11th to the 16th. Our 2019 Antioch Poker Cruise schedule includes a 16-night Panama Canal crossing, an 8-night Southern Caribbean Adventure, and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced sure. poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit com. And you can still squeeze in on our Tampa cruise to Cozumel October 29th. So, uh, that's right. Oh, yeah. We're going to do Halloween costumes. That's right. Fun. That's right. So give us a call. Uh, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at antiapmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand the Week, we'll send them something cool. Comes from Adam Borgoyne. <laughs> Says, I was playing 1-2 at Mohegan Sun. I'm down to $97 from my original 200 The villain has been trying to bully everyone all night and has been showing down marginal hands that got there with very few solid hands mixed in. 
I have a tell on him where his breathing gets very heavy when he has a solid hand, and he shows no type of change when he's got very little. This is uh, There's a couple of limpers. Villain pops to seven, which he's been doing almost every hand. I'm on the button with the ace of spades, eight of diamonds. I call knowing the other two limpers will probably come along since most of the table has lost respect for the villain's pre-flop raises. Flop comes down queen of spades, nine of spades, six of spades. Checks to the villain who bets $40 into a $28 pot. I think for a bit and determine that at best he has a smallish pair and he's scared of the flush. I shove my remaining 90. It folds to him. He checks his cards and thinks for a solid minute before calling. He tables 8 of hearts, 9 of clubs. Board runs out dry and I am felted. He thinks he made a good call and I agree I didn't have a lot of fold equity, but I had 16 ounce. The math says it's a coin flip. What are your thoughts given my read? Uh, I fully support the shove. I do too. I, I This is very similar to something we just talked about on the show like last week or the week before, right? I, where it's like I don't really like to go in uh, on a draw with all my chips. But in this case, you know, you're going to raise this guy because you've got the nut flush draw and you've got an over. And, and to your mind, 16 ounces is a 50-50. So I, I don't see any reason not to shove. And if he folds... You know what I mean? Because you're going to raise a $40 bet anyway. You like your spot. Maybe you get your free cards. So you're going to raise to 80 in, a, in like a – if this was like a limit game and the first bet was 40, you'd raise to 80 to get that free card. So making it 90 is no big deal. Um, plus you get him to fold if he if he really doesn't have anything. I mean he called with a nine. You know, he didn't even have a spade. So, yeah. you know, I think on his part it's a horrible call uh, unless he's got a perfect read on you. But even that. You know what I mean? It's still he maybe he read you for a flush and thought I'll take a chance for only fifty more bucks into this decently sized pot that he made himself basically. Um, but yeah, I support the shove. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can fold here. I mean, you, you've got the nut flush draw. You've got um, potentially an over, as we mentioned. Um, so I, I think folding is, is way too tight here. Um, if you call the forty. The problem with calling 40 is what if you hit your flush on the turn? Are you going to get value out of your last 50? Yeah. Well, probably not. So the only way you're going to get value out of that is by shoving now and hoping he calls. Um, and there is a chance that he, he could fold here. I mean, he did mention that he didn't have a lot of fold equity, but you have some. So it's possible that you could get somebody off of his hand, uh, particularly his overbed into it. Um, certainly made him look like he was scared. So. You know, when you push now or shove now, it, I mean, you very well could have a made flush now if he doesn't have it, right? Yeah. Um, so even for the extra 50, at that point, if he doesn't have and doesn't have a spade in his hand, he has no way of improving unless he's sitting on a set when he's not going to fold at that point anyhow, right? So, um, so you know, you, there is some fold equity there. Um, but, but really what I'm trying to do here is just get value for my hand when I hit. And we get the uh, two pulls of the lot machine here to, to – the, and we were right on our outs, too. You know, the, the flush would have got there or the ace would have been good. Um, uh, so it is what it is. You just didn't hit, and, but that's life. But I definitely think that was the right play. Plus, you know, you had a backdoor draw, too. He could have gone runner, runner straight, so you get a half an out for that. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree yeah. with this at all. All right, find yourself yep. in a situation in your favorite poker room or home game. You're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at magazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Comes from Matt Hayward. Says, I was playing in a 1-2 no-limit hold'em uh, game in a casino, 
that gives dealers at the lower limits a timer slash buzzer to speed up play by limiting a player's time to make a decision. The dealer will give a player 10 to 15 seconds to act when it is each player's turn and then inform the player that the timer is being started. If the player fails to act before the 10-second timer goes off, their hand is deemed folded. There were two players on the river, the cutoff and the button. The cutoff bet about 50 bucks, and the button went all in for about 130 The cutoff took his time, and eventually the dealer said the timer was being started. With five seconds left, the cutoff asked the dealer how much was the raise. The dealer stops the timer and takes about 20 to 30 seconds to confirm the amount. The timer is restarted, and the cutoff calls and wins. The button gets angry because he thought the cutoff was angle shooting. He wasn't asking to find out how much, but to buy more time. The dealer tried to explain that each player has the right to know how much they are calling, even if asked with five seconds left. But the button stormed off. Yeah, when I sent this to Elliot, I said, the times, they are a-changing, right? Now just take it over. This is crazy. So, And I love Elliot's response, too. So he said, uh, the situation is quite timely as my room just installed several clocks for a six-month trial and had procedures approved by our state's gaming commission. The use of time clocks is in live and tournament poker is growing and will probably become standardized as time goes on. I would have to believe this very issue would take up a significant amount of time at the next TDA gathering. These time clocks are a natural reaction to the ridiculous epidemic of tanking across the poker world. Shout out here to a televised poker. Thanks, folks. Uh, my team and I have been going back and forth to come up with a usable set of rules while trying to adhere to standard cash game rules, TDA rules, and logical common sense. Uh, it has been an interesting discussion of old school versus new school, but we think we have come up with a workable set of rules. First and foremost, the shot clock only gets paused for a floor decision. Counts of other players' stacks uh, may re- uh, and ruling clarifications do not count as floor decisions. When it is their turn to act, any and all players may request an exact count of an all-in bet they are facing, but the clock keeps running. And when the stack count is announced, the player has to act immediately if the clock reaches zero. As an aside, why and how did it ever take 20-plus seconds to count $130? <laughs> also, when it is quite obvious that a player requesting a chip count has decidedly less than the all-in player, we don't grant a stack count as this serves no purpose other than wasting or stealing of time. Eventually, a new consensus will need to be reached, and players in time clock games will only get estimates and not exact counts of all-in bets. Players participate in games by their own choice, and by sitting at a table with a shot clock, any player would be acknowledging that the use of the clock and the need for expeditious play necessitates the need for time not to be wasted by counting a stack every time someone is all in. As for the villain in the situation, this was not so much an angle shot as much as taking advantage of new and nebulous rules. This is not outright cheating. The button isn't entirely blameless here. Knowing that the clock was in play, they could have cut their bet forward in a way that was easily countable in order to prevent the extra time from even being close to a factor in the play of his hand. Instead, they let the dealer fumble away extra precious time to the villain instead of announcing or quickly counting out the bet on their own. Yeah, I wouldn't have stormed off like the button, but I've, I agree with him. And I think, of course, I think that's what Elliot is saying here, too, that at that time, hey, if you want to know a count, you know what I mean? You need to know right away. And also, don't waste our time when you know he has more than you. So he doesn't deserve that extra time either. So I agree with this. Yeah. Um, well, the big thing is, and uh, I, I, I was sure Elliot was going to mention this, but I, I did not know that his room was also doing it, which was an added bonus is why I liked it. But uh, the big thing, and what I told Matthew before I even got Elliot's response, is that this is all new, right? So anytime you get something new, and, and we're dealing with this still with the big blind Annie, um, you introduce something new to the game that, that kind of takes over, that it takes some time to figure out, you know, 
how it plays out in the real world and how you need to address stuff. So as players, we need to be patient while um, rooms experiment with this and collect data on things that are a problem. And this will be, as Elliot said, probably one of the data points that will be discussed at TDA next year. Um, and and then the TDA will, will sit down and come up with something that everybody can live with. Um, again, that's for tournaments. But again, usually those TDA rules extend over to cash games as well, too. Um, so we just got to be patient with, with this now. Um, the other point that I think Ellie made, and I use this point a lot, is you know the rules of the game when you sit down to play it, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're not comfortable making quick decisions, then you need to not put yourself on the board for the time clock game, <laughs> right? Right. Now, they're right might get a time when all games are time clocked and at that point then uh, that's a different story but right now that's not the case so you know if you are a player that needs more uh time um you shouldn't be in this game and um and then if rulings go against you because of that that's you just got to accept it so um um uh, but but yeah a couple of things i mean yeah counting an extra 80 chips I'm like you know even for somebody like me that that, that can't visualize chips as well as other people I could count 80 chips in five seconds right (laughs) um but most dealers can can give you a visual count and really that's all you need is a visual at that point I mean I know you you're asking the dealer for an exact count uh, but you know at this point you can figure out what's going on we're not talking about um you, you raised to 1568 and the other guy shoved in 4537 right so right. Um, this is a very easy decision so um yeah it, you know it, it's tough to say whether it was actually an angle shot uh, or even taking advantage you know i mean you know what's the once the bet is made i mean when does the clock start at this point i mean can you immediately do you have to immediately ask for a count and then the clock starts once you get it or they start to clock and then they count. So there are things to be worked out here. So um. This seemed painfully obvious that he didn't have as much as the other guy, though. It, so that was where I, I'd look at it and go, yeah. It would be one thing if it was close or if, you know, you were going to you were gonna have chips left over and you wanted to see if he had enough there to make the call worth it, that kind of thing. But if you're right. clearly covered and he's all in, there, there's no reason for that count. So that's what makes me think it was sort of an angle shoot. But. Yeah, I'm no fan of this guy's play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for doing it. I just also don't think that he's uh, on the level of a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to find out what O'Malley's move was, so here comes part one to refresh our memories. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We're still at that $2, $3 game at Harvey's in Lake Tahoe. It's about an hour after the last hand, and we're going to be up against the same villain. And yes, he's still getting hit in the head with the deck, and still loves to trap. It's a very similar scenario here. At this point, we've got about 550, up 250 from our original buy-in. We're in the small blind and post, the big blind posts, and the villain from last week sits under the gun. He's gotten his stack up to 600, and he's going to limp. Remember, he's loose, can change from aggressive to passive, and has been running extremely well all night. There's four limpers to us, and we look down at the four of hearts, tray of diamonds, in the small blind. I know, Scott, just because something is a discount doesn't make it a deal, but there's $20 in the pot, and I have to call $1 hoping for a Ricky Ticky Tavi flop. I'm going to take those odds. We limp. 
The big blind checks, and it doesn't get any more ricky-ticky-tabby than this. The seven of clubs, six of diamonds, five of hearts comes down. We flop the straight, but it is the ignorant end. We still have to bet here. With about $20 in the pot, we want to punish any hands that could beat us, so we make it $20 to go. The big blind folds, the under the gun calls, but everybody else folds. Hmm, should our spidey senses be tingling here? There's roughly $60 in the pot, and the turn is the six of clubs. Even with the under the gun calling our bet, I can't be afraid of any monsters under the bed. We are going to continue our value betting here. We make it $40 to go. Once again, our opponent calls. There's $140 in the pot, and the river is the ace of diamonds. $140 is a decent-sized pot, and I'm not sure what I'd do if I got a big re-raise, so I'm going to check here. Our opponent bets $70. So, we have the low end of a straight on a paired board. It's $70 to win $210. Are we good here? What's the move? Uh, this is an easy call for me here. Uh, if he limped under the gun with aces or 8-9 or a pair of 5, 6s, or 7s, so I'll tap the table and tell him good game. Uh, but I believe we're ahead, and I also like how O'Malley checked here as an insurance policy. Call. I mean, we trail quite a few hands, but none that really makes sense. Uh, so I got no problem with the call here. Uh, okay, here comes part two. Hello again. There are just too many hands our opponent could have that we beat. Ace-8, eight, 8-6, eight, fours, ace-7. His range is literally wide open. But there are just too many hands our opponent could have that beat us. 9-8, ace-6. Remember, he's trap-happy, and he's played this hand trappy. I'm going to bet we're beat here but hopefully he turns over like 8-6 or something. Even still, I can't raise this bet. We call. Our opponent announces straight and turns over 9-8. Ugh. Coolard. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley wondering, did we lose the minimum here, or is that being too results-oriented? I hope to see you on the felt. Uh, yep, definitely makes sense, uh, but I stand by my call. I think it was a good choice. Yeah, me too. Elizabeth, and you are listening to the Antietam Poker Cast. All right, it's time for the Advanced Poker <clears throat> Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietammagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. A <clears throat> long-time listener, first-time uh, submitter, Vic G, is in the house. <laughs> Excuse me, man. See, this is what happens when Scott has to get up at like 6.30 to get ready to do a show. Yeah, this crystal geyser natural alpine spring water isn't doing it for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, you know, be up front. We have stock in that company, so <laughs> we're going to disparage it on our show and watch the stock plummet. I mean, it comes all the way from the Alpines. I can't believe they just give it to you free in the hotel room. That's that's pretty nice. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> all right. Uh, Vic says, I'm playing in a nine-handed 1-2 no-limit hold'em game with a $200 maximum buy-in um, in a Florida poker room. Uh, not the normal one that he plays in, but another one. Um, uh, let's see. We grabbed uh, – he's playing with his brother. And he said uh, we, he grabbed the table and marked a seat for his older brother on his immediate right. We've uh, both been doing well and have increased our initial 200 starting stack against a field of older ABC-style retirees hoping to hit the $500 high hand promotion. 
I'm not trying to play possum, my brother, but I've stacked them once already when my pocket kings held up. There was no collusion. No. (laughs) No collusion there. He stacked them. And if there was, it's not a crime. So it's, you know, it's, it's there's, not. there's no collusion, and, it's, it's, <laughs> and if there was, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> All right, there's a button straddle. Both lines called, and after a couple folds, action is on us. And once again, we look down at King of Spades, King of Clubs. Shove. Why not? Why wouldn't you shove here? You get the big stack. Most people could buy in for 200 so you're not going to get hurt because you already felt it, your brother. Right, we got we got a, a straddle here and a couple of callers, so you don't want those guys lingering around with their random rag ace, you know, six or something. So let's make it a big bet. So if the straddle is what four, and then people uh, limp in, right? Yeah, I guess depending on how they do it, but yeah. Right. So probably four, maybe six, but it's probably four. We've got two callers, so that's four, and then times three is twelve. So. We got twelve bucks in the middle, plus maybe the small blind and the big blind is thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Just fifteen in the middle. Generally, when you're raising in a one-two game, you're making it about ten to twelve. We got a couple limpers and a straddler, so I don't know. Let's make it like twenty-ish. Twenty? Oh, I'm going bigger than that. All oh, right, yeah, I was gonna say twenty-five. So I was gonna say yeah, twenty-five. Yeah. And I thought you'd laugh at me. So. Oh, you've already got three people committed. Well, committed ships to this pot. Um, so I mean, twenty-five. I don't think is gonna do much of anything here. I kind of like a, an overbet with this kind of situation um, and try to make people think that I've got like a, a more fragile hand than I have and mm. induce into a call. And if it doesn't work, that you know, it doesn't work. But we still pick up a little bit of a pot. You know, obviously I'd rather have a call here. But I might go 50 here. Holy cow. Yes. You got three go guys in for four bucks and you're making it 50 to go? If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, Chris. <laughs> you're going to be a bear... That's polar. I mean, that's that's like the opposite of what I mean. Fifty bucks. I, I don't think the twenty five is going to get the blinds out of here. I mean, we don't know about the straddle yet because we haven't got to them. And then we've got other people in hand too. I mean, twenty five bucks when I already know that there are two blinds that have called a straddle already, and then the straddle in there. I, I'm priced in with like seven six of spades or something like that, right? And that's the king killer hand, right? So. Mm. Let's, let's not price those people in. Let's make this kind of big and, and hope to get one collar and uh, go to war with a really strong hand. Wow, that's brutal. 50 bucks. Uh, I think uh, Vic's going to just rip you apart on the any of, <laughs> any of Facebook fans' page. I, 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 I don't see that making the – anyway, I'm going to go 25. You're going to go 50. All right. Well, uh, you know, hey, I negotiated down from all in, so, you know. <laughs> that's true. Um, all right. Uh, uh, Hero says we make a pot size raise and toss in twenty five dollars. Yes, Weak. Weak. yes, yes. I, Vic, I agree with Vic. Uh, he says we made twenty five or thirty dollar raises in straddle pots before and seem to pick up one or two non believers looking to gamble. All right, well that changes it then now. If I know that that kind of bet is going to get the desired effect, which is one or two opponents, then I'm fine with it. But you never want to bet more than you have to to get the desired effect, right? Right. Um, all right. Um, and he says, my brother calls, as does the button straddler. With 83 in the pot, uh, the flop is the nine of hearts, six of diamonds, tray of diamonds, and we are first to act. Um, this is a nice board for, for us. I mean, there's diamonds, but it's still a nice board. All unders, no scary ace, flush draws there. Straight draws kind of there. You were talking about you know seven six or seven eight could be one of those king killers too. 
So I'm going to want to bet big here, I think. It's a nice flop in the sense that it's under, so we're not scared about that. It's a bad flop because it is mostly coordinated for the type of hands that are going to try to felt somebody who bets at 25, pre-flop, knowing he has a big hand. So I think I'm going to want to bet big here. Probably pot size bet. You know, pot maybe, size? Maybe, maybe even, I don't know, maybe even, I was going to think maybe even more, but um, probably like, Probably like 80, 75, 80 here. I, I this I, I'm not, I've realized we're playing our hand face up, but at this point, I don't care that they know I have kings. I want them to get out, and they know by a call here on their part, then their hands face up too. So I, I just I want to make it so expensive that these guys are going to be like, yeah, all right, man, I'm gonna let the the rags go. Um, if somebody with a flush draw shoves, I got an overpair, you know, and I'll have the odds to to do it. So. I don't know. I'm going to make a big bet. Yeah, so this was funny. I was making the big bet pre-flop. You were making a smaller bet. Now, I want to make a smaller bet, and you want to make a bigger bet after the flop. Well, how small are you talking? I mean, you don't want to get them the odds to draw to any of these things. they got no, diamonds no, I, and straights. I, I'm thinking at least a half a pot here. I think the pot is, what, somewhere around 90 or so, so I'd maybe 50. Um, well, I'm going to take a page yeah, out of Omaha. I just think it's interesting that you are um, uh, now all of a sudden – well, because I want to protect. Before, I was trying to thin to protect. Now I want to protect because I got too many people in the hand with me. I got two people in the hand with me, including my brother. So if I can shut my brother out, too, and not felt him again, you know, there won't be a fight on the way home. Um, I, I don't know. I just I feel like before I was trying to protect my hand, now I'm still trying to protect my hand. I think before you were trying to squash all callers, and now you're trying to let in all callers. Like, to me, a, a, a smallish bet... Nobody's going to fold with two diamonds for 25 or 50. Um, they might fold for a pot size bet, no. or they might shove. Certainly not saying 25. But 50 would be the low end of this. But okay. again, I think the pot's like right around 90. Yeah, 83. 83, I think you said. It was 83? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 83. Yeah, right. Yeah. It says it right here. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote it down. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Somewhere, uh, well, we can agree nothing less than 50, right? Yeah, and probably nothing more than a hundred. How's that? Somewhere yeah. in the range of fifty to hundred. All right. Uh, let's see. He says, "I think we're good here." My brother can play some creative hands, and the button may have just gotten stubborn when I raised his straddle again. Uh, we want to we want to bet enough to make calling a mistake for any straighter or flush draws, so we make it fifty. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. All right. So this is a fascinating hand now, right? Because he did what you wanted him to do pre-flop. He did what I wanted to do post-flop. Yeah. All over the place, Vic. Uh, my brother calls and the button folds, he says. Um, uh, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, with 183 in the pot, the turn is the eight of hearts. So the board now is nine of hearts, six of diamonds, tray of diamonds, eight of hearts. Obviously putting up a second flush draw and completing the double belly buster straight draw. Action is on us. Uh, let's see. I don't know what double belly buster straight draw got there. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it would be a really creative hand for... Uh, yeah, that's, for that's just a regular straight draw that got there. Um, I, I I think that we have on our side the fact that we felt it a brother once already, so we've already we've already showed him that the hand that we play against him knocks him out. So if our brother has something nominal, you know, he might have 9-8. That's the thing that's scary. I don't know. Some people will call 25 but 9-8, like you were saying before, you know, king killer, 7-6, 8-7, 9-8. So he could have turned two pair, but we still have outs, you know, any six, any tray, any king. 
um, if we were wrong. Uh, I think I'm going to put the hammer down. I'm going to look at my brother's stack, and I'm going to be like, yeah, you're all in. Mm, all in, all right. Kind okay. of thought that way too, but I still think we have a little too much for that move. But uh, but I'm definitely betting pot here. I'm going or over pot. I mean, I'm going to easily bet 200 here. But well, yeah, it's 183 is in the pot. So I mean, how much does the brother have? It's 200 max buying. We already felt it once. So. They both started the hand with just under 500. So oh okay. Yeah, we put in what 80 bucks or so now. Oh okay. More. Well, I don't know if I go all in then. I, I thought he was. I thought he had like 200 in front of him when the hand started, not 500. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, mean, I bet pot size probably. So. <laughs> like 150 right. maybe? 150? No, I mean, we, there's a lot of draws out there now. If you stick it around for it. So, I mean, I, I'm going to pull 200 here, I think. And, you know, and 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 shoving in two very nicely neat stacks. So, you yeah. know, when the time clock comes, he doesn't have to ask for a count. <laughs> doing my part, Chris. I'm doing my part. Making poker better for you. Uh, all right, Rear says, I think we're still ahead only because I can't put my brother in a reasonable hand. He'd probably call a top pair, the diamond draw, or any over pair, or just to see what I'd do on the turn. This card doesn't seem to help those hands, so let's put him to a test and bet 125. He doesn't hesitate long before calling. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking 150, so it was more along the lines of what I was thinking. Okay, so we get a call, too. With 433 in the pot, the river is the nine of diamonds, making the board nine of hearts, six of diamonds, tray of diamonds, eight of hearts, nine of diamonds, and we start now. Worst card in the deck. Really bad, right? Really bad. If he had top pair and just didn't believe us, now he's made trips. If he's going diamonds, now he's made his flush. That's a brutal card. Uh, sometimes you got to give up. You know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Vic likes to send in these hands where. Uh, it makes it look like he, you know, he he's so in tune with the other player that he can make a bet even when it's a scary card. So I think he's going to bet here. But me, I think I probably would check and call something reasonable. You know, and if my brother's the type of player that likes to fold, I mean, um, sorry, likes to bluff, uh, then I would take into consideration if he shoves on me. But at this point, I know if I know my brother's game well enough to what he would do on the river, then I would do what I need to do to make it the cheapest amount for me to call. So I'm going to check call, I think, anything reasonable. I'll be curious what hands can bluff here, right? Well, every every, every hand in the... <laughs> Queens, jacks, or tens could could get away with bluffing here, right? If we, if we check, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, hands that would bluff that we could beat. Um, well, I guess that's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... You know, so yeah, I think I'm with you. I gotta check here. I don't want to bet here and get raised. That's worse. I mean, obviously, um, no matter what our brother has here, he's got a he's got a bet or raise, right? So right. if we bet, then the amount that we have to call is more. We might as well check and then see what he does. Of course, the pot now is so big that it's probably an all in, right? Regardless. So, but uh, but I'll check and hope that I can see a showdown here. But I, I doubt it. I got to think that he's gonna he's gonna make a bet here, and you know unless he's got tens, jacks, or queens, that's the only thing I can think of that we got to beat. You know, I mean, if he had nine six, uh, some kind of crazy hand like that, now he's boated up. He would have to have six tray now for us to to have a better hand to catch up with this card. That's the only that's the only hand that we could have caught up to. I think a bluff um, and a bluff could have been seven eight. You know, he paired the eight, so that's why he stayed in. And now he's now he's thinking uh, I got to bet on the end there because I don't have enough. You know, I mean, he could have had seven eight for the draw, and then hit the eight in the turn, so he stuck around for another bet, hoping he hit the draw, hit another eight, 
Mm, that's interesting. Yep. So there's a, there are other hands that we beat that make sense that he could now have to pull the trigger on a bluff on if we check. Um, it's just it's whether or not he knows his brother. Four hands is what we figured out, right? Yeah. Queens, Jets, tens, and seven, eight. Seven, eight. Because nobody, I don't think he's falling a raise with six tray either. It's a preflop. So, yeah, I think that's. <clears throat> yeah, that's tough. All right. Well, anyhow, we got to check. So let's check and see what happens here. Okay. Uh, here it says, I have to admit, I cringed a little when I saw this river card. I think if he was on a flush draw, he would have jammed all in earlier, possibly on the flop. That's actually a very good point. That's uh, a lot of money to jam, though, 500 and a 1 2 game on a flush draw with your brother in the hand who raised it. You know what I mean? That's a lot of money to put in on a draw for nothing. Yeah, maybe right. a raise. But raising, he didn't raise it all, which had, would have been interesting. But all right, he says uh, calling the fifty dollar flop and the hundred twenty five dollar turn bets with only top pair also seems unlikely. Uh, now that I consider these possibilities, I'm liking the nine of diamonds more and more. I think it's a great card for our hand. If he missed some crazy straight draw, have his two pair hand counterfeited, or still holds an over pair to the board, I think he's got to bluff at the pot with a scary looking river card. We decide to check with the intention of calling a shove or shoving ourselves. Hmm, all right. We got the same decision, but in a different way. Yeah. <clears throat> now, obviously, you know, Vic's played with his brother a lot more than we have, too. So, In fact, I don't think I've played with Vic's brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we tap the felt, and he announces all in. Yeah. We snap call before his chips are crossed the betting line, only to hear him say, I have nothing. Wow. We table the kings, and... Belt him again, and oh my god, he doesn't say what he had. Come on, it's his brother. He could have told him. Uh, yeah, so it sounded like it was a little vendetta. The brother was trying to just say, yeah, I'm going to play position on my brother and try to bluff him. And now he's into his brother for 700 or so. Wow, uh, that's 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 a tough board to run a bluff on, isn't it? Yeah. Nothing makes sense in a, in a straddled, raised, pre-flop hand when you look at that board. It just, it, nothing makes sense. No, I mean, I, something like Ace-9, you know, where it was suited, and like, you know, Ace-9 of spades, and he hit the 9, and then he doesn't believe your brother, brother has Ace-King, he's thinking, and then on a turn, he's like, yeah, I still don't believe you. Now, the river hits his 9, now he's saying, I'm going to overbet, make my brother think I don't have anything. So, I mean, yeah, there are hands there that live up to that story, he just didn't have it. You know, that that's crazy, how you beat him in the pot, basically, too, with that all-in, that's crazy. Well, you figured it out, so I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we were going to check, and um, yeah, part of me thought that the nine was a good card for us, but um, uh, not not enough. I didn't have as much confidence in it that Vic did, but um, but again, that's just a really tough board to run a bluff on. You know, I, I like to run the bluff against mm-hmm. somebody, but yeah, I think you need to have a little bit more going on there. Well, what's um, kind of funny for me, and not to interrupt, but when they say to you earlier in the hand. Let's bet enough to knock out the draws. And then when a hand gets to the end and it makes a bet, he says, if he had a draw, he would have bet into me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Either he's drawing and calling the least amount or that you can allow him to call, or he's betting with the draw so he wouldn't need the odds to call your bet. It's one or the other. It can't be both. Either he's going to be the type of player that calls his draws or he's going to be the type of player that bets his draws, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, in this case, in this case, I'm saying... Okay, the brother was telling a story that he just wanted to ultimately look like he was drawing, and the diamond got there and he represented it. But I think maybe a value bet in the end, maybe he gets away, maybe makes Vic think, rather than just a, a quick shove that is indicative, indicative of someone's bluffing, because they do it right away, and that's, you know, to try to intimidate you as fast as possible when they want you to fold. Um, I think if his brother makes like a, 
$275 bet, maybe Vic thinks about it and says, oh, he's getting some value here. He must have hit that nine. Or, and if he was drawing, he's doing exactly what he would do if he makes diamonds. Now he wants to get paid off for his diamonds, and you can fold your kings comfortably. So I, I just feel like you can't have him say you got to bet enough to knock out draws and then say he would have bet the draw. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't really make sense to me. So in this case, I think I think the brother just wanted to to say, you know what, you're not the best player in our family, and I'm going to outplay on this hand. And it didn't. And it looks like Vic G is the best player in his family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. And we will see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.